Welcoming you back to another edition of the Edge Podcast. Publisher Brendan Slaughter here for BeaversEdge.com. Joined by Beaver's Edge recruiting analyst Dylan Callahan Crowley as we're coming to you guys following a couple high-impact uh, pieces on the recruiting trail for Oregon State. Uh, on Christmas, they landed uh, Gabari Johnson out of the transfer portal. Uh, quarterback going to join Giovanni McCoy in that quarterback room as the offseason additions. So we'll be breaking down what he brings to the table, as well as uh, today, the day after Christmas, as Dylan and I are recording this podcast, uh, Jordan Anderson, a big-time receiver in the 2024 recruiting class. A bit of a late addition, but a worthy addition nonetheless. So we're going to be breaking that all down. Uh, Dylan, Dylan, uh, happy holidays to you, my man. I can still see the uh, festivities behind you, man. Love to see it. And uh, yeah, man, hope you had a good holiday. And uh, Oregon State maintained. I I don't know if they really had much of a Christmas, Dylan. Does it couple like they were uh, still going after the recruiting trail pretty hard? Yeah, yeah, that they, you know, it's been nonstop for the Beavers, it it seems like, since last week with signing day. And uh, they continue. I mean, even beyond, before Sunday, since over the last you know seven to ten days, it's been nonstop for them, and uh, they added perhaps the two biggest commitments of the last ten days or so in the last two days with Gabari Johnson and now Jordan Anderson. I mean, those are uh, two really high impact, high potential guys. Gabari Johnson, obviously, uh, will compete for the starting quarterback job, right. but but Jordan Anderson, let's you know, let's not bury the lead. This is a top 100 recruit. I think we have him at 76, 75 yeah. in the rivals uh, top 100, uh, top 250, 71. Yeah, there you go. Nationally, more impressive. Number nine in the state <clears throat> of California. It's number 17 wide receiver. I mean, this is a high potential, high ceiling type prospect who can compete potentially day one to be a starting wide receiver for the Beavers, Beavers next season. Yeah, I mean, he's obviously an absolute stud. And you talk about the guys that didn't necessarily sign in the early window. Um, you know, he was a guy that we knew was going to be someone who took a decision. You know, you and I knew it was down to San Diego State or Oregon State for him. And then you obviously mentioned how high of a level of a recruit he was. Um, you know, Dylan, is this a guy who they get without Gabari Johnson? Um, that's a good question. Um I, I will say, I think landing a guy like Gabari Johnson does absolutely help. Mm. Uh, but and, and they knew they they were in a good spot for Gabari Johnson for for a while here. But I think sure. it's about I think it's more about selling him on the plan going forward because it, he did sign with the Beavers. He he signed last week. He is officially part of the program, uh, and he announced his decision today. So I mean, he is signed. He signed technically before. Kabari Johnson officially committed to sure, Oregon State. Sure. Now, now could they have known, you know, ahead of time that Johnson was going to make his way to Corvallis? Yeah, I mean, it, it wasn't the biggest kept secret in college football. I mean, it was quite widely accepted by us and around the industry that Oregon State was, you know, going to be the favorite for Kabari John, Johnson. And I'm sure they talked about that. And they talked about McCoy mm. and uh, what else they can bring in. But I think this is all about selling him on the vision of what he can be at Oregon State coming in into that wide receiver room, which is still a good wide receiver room, um, and making an instant impact as a um you know as a as a potential true freshman next season. Absolutely. And you know, let's go ahead and start with uh, Gabari since again he was first. Uh, Dylan, you know, obviously we knew a while ago, you know, Beavers Edgers on the damn board, sure. premium subscribers knew that this was something that was in the works for, you know, I want to say a week, couple weeks now. But yeah. it was kind of quiet. You know, we hadn't heard a whole lot. We knew that, 
you know, he was more likely to come back to the West Coast. And, you know, ultimately, we kind of talked about it when we talked about Giovanni McCoy, the Idaho transfer in our last podcast, just how, you know, adding in Giovanni McCoy was not going to likely deter adding in another quarterback prospect to the room, whether that turned out to be, you know, Malik Murphy, who ultimately committed to Duke, or Kamari Johnson, who, you know, ultimately committed to Oregon State. Dylan, let's talk a little bit about, you know, the fact that I think maybe a lot of folks, maybe, I don't want to say forgot about Gabari, but kind of, he went to Missouri, didn't play at all his freshman year, was kind of more of an under, you know, under the radar for the last 12 months after being, you know, really highly recruited coming out of Tacoma, Washington here on the West Coast and obviously a Washingtonian. Do you think it's one of those things where maybe going back to his recruitment, he maybe went a little further away from home than he wanted and then, you know, didn't quite work out at Missouri and now had a big time opportunity to come back and start at a, you know, maybe not the biggest school on the West Coast, obviously, but a really good program very close to home and a program that did recruit him coming out of high school. No, yeah, that's a great point. And yeah, I think there's definitely that, that aspect of coming back home or at least close to home, obviously not Washington, but Corvallis is pretty close. Uh, all things considered. Yeah. I think there's definitely that aspect because you think about it as soon as he entered the transfer portal, it was, it was pretty much assumed and, and safely assumed that it was going to be Oregon state who right. ultimately lands him. I mean, he entered the portal within 10 minutes. There was, we, we were getting text messages saying, Hey, watch out for Gabari Johnson. Yeah. It, this is one that's probably going to end up well for the Beavers. But you, you spoke about that opportunity, and you're right. Uh, he is now going to have to, you know, go up against a really good quarterback to win the starting quarterback right. job in Giovanni McCoy. We uh, talked about McCoy extensively in our last podcast. We had, we've talked about him extensively on the side. That's a guy that, despite, you know, the Idaho brand being attached to him uh is a high caliber quarterback who can make a big impact very early on in his Oregon State career um you know when he committed last week he was assumed to be the favorite to win the starting quarterback job you could probably argue that he's still probably the favorite but this gives him some legitimate competition yeah. uh at that quarterback job and and that's nothing against Gabari Johnson I think Gabari Johnson's a very high upside guy but the opportunity, you know, to come back closer to home, I think played a big factor. The opportunity that he's going to have a, a chance to be, uh, you know, if not the starting quarterback, the primary backup quarterback for elite, for this year. And he will have the opportunity, you know, to earn that starting quarterback role. Um, and, you know, we've seen Oregon State use two quarterbacks. Well, you know, there's the old mm-hmm. adage, if you got two quarterbacks, you have no quarterbacks. But I, I think if John, if whoever is the starter, I, I think we will still see a, a little bit of the backup, like kind of like we did with Aiden Giles this year. And um, uh, I think there's a lot of upside for Johnson. I still, I do think there's still development to go there. Um, we we haven't seen him play a game in over a year. The last time he played a, a football game was his senior year of high school, where he posted good numbers sure. for Lincoln up in Washington: twenty-three hundred passing yards, twenty-five touchdowns. Uh, 68.4% completion percentage, and he ran for over 1,600 yards. So, I mean, that's a true dual-threat yeah. quarterback that they're adding. But, I mean, he hasn't played in a year. It's going to take him a little bit once he gets into a game to, you know, kind of get back into that um, mindset, you know, get the rust off him. But he, I think there's there you have to be excited if you're an Oregon State fan about the potential of this quarterback room. 
especially heading into a primary man, Mountain West Conference schedule. I think this is a quarterback room that can play at a high level against a majority of the opponents that Oregon State's going to have next year. No, that's a great point. And, you know, you mentioned his high school stats. I mean, there's a lot to like about what he did in high school, Dylan. And, you know, you mentioned, obviously, uh, his numbers, his yards. You know, I think to what Ryan Gunderson had at UCLA with Dorian Dorian Thompson-Robinson, DTR, and, you know, the true dual threatness of that nature, I think it's very plausible to assume that Oregon State's quarterback is probably going to be more featured i mean dj was featured but dj was featured this year in a unique way he was kind of that hey here's the guy that's six foot five 250 pounds he's going to get you three four yards unique now i think they could have a guy who could run more of that read option style stuff that we saw at ucla with dtr so that's something to keep an eye on uh dylan and i mentioned giovanni mccoy not quite as much of a dual threat but i think could be molded into a guy who's athletic enough to make plays yeah. depending on how it works absolutely but like dylan said i mean 1600 yards and 20 21 touchdowns you know on the ground in his senior year i mean that's that's a lot of yards and over yeah. 2500 yards uh rushing for his career i mean he put up numbers and uh want to go back to his high school uh recruiting dylan just for a moment sure. oregon state fans rightfully so definitely were bummed out when you know oregon state lost DJU and Aiden Childs out of this this yeah. crop of quarterbacks this year, Dylan. And it's understandable. Aiden Childs was the number three ranked dual threat quarterback in the 2023 class. Yeah. The consolation, Kabari Johnson was the fifth ranked quarterback in the 2023 yeah. class. So while losing Aiden Childs, you know, maybe DJU was never meant to be more than a one-year rental or what have you, but you know, Aiden Childs losing that future, you could do a lot worse than going from, you know, a guy with Childs' future to a guy with Johnson's uh, future, which, again, really to me, would we look at these guys any differently, Dylan, if it was Childs that didn't play a year at Oregon State and it was Gabari Johnson who got, you know, regular run like Childs did routinely throughout the year so i think you know perspective is everything but yeah. just simply going back to rankings these were guys who were not very far apart uh just you know a year and some change ago yeah and you know yeah losing trials is is going to be one especially if he goes that or into or to east lansing and lights it up that that's going to be a hard one for everybody sure. to swallow understandably so uh, and he, he has uh, i was talking to somebody else today about what i think child is going to be in, uh, in michigan state and i said you know there's still development to go there but yeah this year is probably already a top half of the big 10 quarterback so that is understandably a big loss but like you said this is uh, i mean for losing what they lost in that room this offseason this is a pretty good way to bounce back just a pivot i would say a good pivot yeah. McCoy, you know, maybe doesn't have the upside of a DJU, but I think he has a similar floor to DJU. I think he's going to go out there. He's going to be efficient. He's going to be effective. He can extend plays with his legs. He's accurate. I mean, we, we talked about all his, we talked about his skill set. And I, I encourage people to go back and listen to that podcast or go over to mm-hmm. uh, Oregon state.rivals.com and read our uh, extensive scouting report on, um, on McCoy, but also all the transfer portal additions Oregon State uh, has, or we're pumping out a few more here over the next few days. Mm-hmm. Um, but McCoy has, 
a high a high floor absolutely and does have you know a notably high ceiling as well um which i think he could just be scratching the surface of especially when you just consider they added a guy like jordan anderson and i know he hasn't signed yet but if they can sign malachi durant jordan anderson and malachi durant is a hell of a one-two combination at wide receiver of uh, in the 2024 recruit class um but Johnson has, you know, incredible upside as well. Maybe not as much of a polished player as Childs is right now, but I think he can, you know, become one of the better quarterbacks sure. uh, in Oregon State's, you know, whatever you want to call it, of of schools. Sure. Uh, whatever we do call that, but I think he could be one of the better quarterbacks at his level. Sure. Um, and I think that dual threat capabilities, yeah, we saw a lot of what Ryan Gunderson was able to do with uh, Dorian Thompson-Robinson at UCLA. And, yeah, he was running a lot of Chip Kelly's offense. But still, at the end of the day, um, we saw a dual threat quarterback at UCLA have a lot of success. Then they went to a less you know, developed quarterback, less dual threat quarterback in uh and more and sure. it just it just did not work out uh this season um so i i think it definitely can be an advantage to oregon state to have two guys who are similar not the exact but similar and that they can extend players with their legs mccoy being more of an extender and improviser per se while johnson provides you know that like we said true dual threat capabilities in which you can call a lot of read options you can call you right. know, a lot of qb QB draws and design QB runs. Um, and and who, who knows where he is in his development as a passer. That's the tough thing to say. We haven't been able to watch him in practice in Missouri. Sure. We, we haven't seen him in game action. He was pretty good at at Lincoln as a senior, 68.4 completion percentage. Um, but, you know, he's going to uh, face him. You know, a college football defense is a lot different than the defenses he was facing up uh, there in uh, Tacoma. So, you know, obviously I, I'll be perfectly honest, Dylan. I can confidently say I didn't watch a whole lot of Missouri football this season. Right. What was their quarterback? You know, I'm, I, I'm asking you off the cuff if you knew, but sure. I wasn't quite sure what their quarterback situation was. Like, was it a situation where they didn't bring anybody back and like he lost a quarterback competition as part of an open room or, you know, something where they brought back somebody? Because, you know, you think about like, again, could Gabara Johnson have been like a Dante Moore, someone who was thrown into the fire, you know, a little bit this last year, we've seen when that has paid off and where it hasn't paid off, uh, obviously for young quarterbacks, just in the mix. So that's a lot to see, but going back to the room as a whole, I like what they did in the sense that you go get a guy in Gabari Johnson, who was a big time recruit, one of the top dual threats in the class. You give him a chance after, you know, a situation at Missouri that maybe didn't work out for him for whatever reason, he gets a chance to come home and kind of prove, you know, real kind of blue collar, you know, prove put in the work kind of mentality that fits Oregon state. Well, then you bring in Giovanni McCoy, who right now you probably got a lot of people who are, you know, at least, I'm not going to say questioning, but just throwing the question out there, can he compete at the, at a higher level? Right. Right. And I think that's also something, you know, they kind of brought in two guys that for very different reasons are going to like really put in the work and kind of want to attack that quarterback battle for lack of better terms um, compared to a year ago, Dylan, when, you know, Jonathan Smith and his staff, 
I know that's kind of a swear word these days. Can't can't really say that, but his staff, um, you know, we all kind of knew without knowing all year long. They're like, you know, it's an open quarterback competition, but we all knew that DJU was going to be the guy in that room come September, Dylan, barring something right. crazy, even with Aiden Childs in that room. So right. now I'm curious to see what it's going to do for just kind of the room as a whole and the competition as a whole to truly have another year where it's like, it, it it really is anybody's ball game back there. Right. And you're asking about the Missouri quarterback yeah. situation. Yeah. So Missouri, they, they got one. They got, I don't know. I don't know if he's going to declare for the draft this year. I think he's eligible, but I guess he returns next year, but they have Brady cook as their starting quarterback right now. Uh, you know, for an SEC quarterback, he played really, really well. Uh, there you go. And I know I said, I, I made that sound as SEC quarterbacks are bad, but that's for, Playing in the SEC, he played really well. Yeah, gotcha. 66.4 completion percentage or 3,000 yards, 20 touchdowns to six interceptions. Um, so he he could return for next season. But I, I think what probably that's probably convinced Johnson to maybe look elsewhere was they did in the 22, 2022 recruiting class sign uh, top 100 prospect Sam Horn. Mm. Um who uh, I, I think it's it's been clear with Missouri that he's their number two guy right now. He is the heir apparent to Brady Cook, sure. very similar skill set. Um, now it, it's also worth noting that um, I'm, I'm Kirby Kirby Moore is the offense coordinator there at Missouri. Somebody who we had on our uh, head head coaching hot board, or perhaps offense. I think it was Bre- I think we had a couple a couple different references yeah. to him but thrown out there obviously yeah but obviously a he's their offense coordinator and you look at cook and horn they're more pro style passers not really dual threat guys cook <clears throat> cook does have dual threat abilities he did run the ball you know 90 i wouldn't say dual threat abilities he has some likes but he ran the ball 94 times this year sure horn, horn ran the ball three times but they're not true dual threat quarterbacks they're more pocket passers pro style guys so i i do wonder if perhaps it was also he wasn't a a true fit in the system of um, Kirby Moore as well, and that uh, it, you know go somewhere that perhaps there would be a better fit as we said with Ryan Gunderson, Gunderson who had a very good uh, had very good success with um, Dorian Thompson Robinson at UCLA, a much similar player uh, skill set wise to Gabari Johnson. Yeah, absolutely. And again, uh, stay tuned to Dylan and I on that quarterback room. We're going to keep talking about it quite a bit, but we'd be remiss if we didn't switch gears and mention uh, the biggest news of today. And obviously, Gabari Johnson's commitment was huge on Christmas for a lot of reasons. But Dylan, Jordan Anderson, big time commitment today. And you wrote about it a little bit as well, or rather just rivals and all of us wrote about it collectively. And I say you, me and Adam Gorney, who have kind of been at the top of this uh, beaversedge.com. These are high school. Let's just, let's paint the deck a little bit, Dylan. These are the kind of recruits that Oregon state is not typically in the mix for. And then additionally, let's talk a little bit about, Jordan Anderson from the sense of like, if you had told somebody just a, a casual observer that or, or that Oregon state would sign the number two wide receiver in the right. state of California per rivals. Again, everything kind of goes up and down. You can subjective, what have you in amidst all the, you know, 
playing in a different conference next season, their coach leaving, you know, like that would have been pretty unbelievable. And again, I'm not trying to dismiss Oregon State, but they typically will get those kind of higher talented guys, you know, maybe out of the transfer portal. And just to kind of go back and look, let's look at a few a, a few of what I like to call the Oregon State greats, uh, recruiting-wise at wide receiver in recent memory. Uh, Isaiah Hodgins, who's obviously with the New York Giants now, uh, 165. He was the 26th best receiver nationally in 2017. And then even Brandon Cooks, who, again, four-star coming in 240 national, 26th the position. Uh, Dylan, how good of a wide receiver is this and should – Oregon State fans be popping some celebratory champagne of sorts. Yeah, I mean, this is a these are the the wide receiver talents that coaches and fans dream of adding to their wide receiver room. Jordan Anderson is a kid who can step in uh, day one and compete to be a starting quarterback, a quarterback, starting wide receiver for Oregon State. Adam Gorney, call, I won't give away his entire scout report, but Adam Gorney says that he could be the best wide receiver in the state of California this yeah. this uh, you know this recruiting cycle, which I mean just speaks to to the level of talent that Jordan Anderson possesses. You know, six foot, one hundred sixty two. This kid is the biggest. He has nice size. He has nice uh, you know size height wise, but one hundred sixty two pounds still on the smaller side. But he has just uh, great speed and ability to stretch the field. Um, a ton and that should be able to you know translate translate pretty well to the collegiate level and you know i haven't been able to really get the full intel of why he backed off that oregon state commitment um and you know for a four-star talent you necessarily wouldn't expect it to be down to oregon state and san diego state but if you're an oregon state fan if you're an oregon state coach you you don't care what circumstances led to that all you care about it, well, if yeah, if you're an Oregon State coach or fan, all you care about is that Jordan Anderson, a top one hundred prospect, has committed to your program, has signed his letter right. of intent, and is going to be a Beaver. Um, we're still we have messages out to see if he is um, going to be enrolling early or if he's going to be enrolling in the summer. Sure. But either way, you know the countdown at this point is on of when Jordan Anderson is going to become a Beaver. If he gets here, you know. In a couple of weeks, that's that's absolutely huge. But even if not, this is a kid who can come in in the summer and you know be competent to be a starting wide receiver. If not starting, he's going to be a very you know key rotational piece for the Beavers next fall. Uh, gives them a tremendous upside at the wide receiver position, um, and somebody I think we can see put up big stats right away. Give me a um, give me a comp, Dylan, because obviously you know you got a guy you mentioned six foot, one hundred and sixty two. You know, definitely not like a, a a pure like even the guys I mentioned. Very different from like a Isaiah Hodgins, who was you know six foot four and you know more of a uh, you know target receiver than necessarily a you know uh, you know playmaker in between the tackles. Like we saw, Brandon Cooks was obviously a little up more undersized, but was lightning quick. And, you know, Brandon Cooks obviously won the Bolitnikoff, you know, a handful yeah. of years uh, uh, ago now, too. But, you know, Dylan, just going back to, uh, you know, him real quick, you know, you mentioned it in your story as well that, you know, he's the first top 100 commitment since Isaac Samalu in 2012. And yeah. that's like to me, that's not it's not that unbelievable because that's again, we talked about DJU and how if he had picked the Beavers out of high school, probably would have broke all those things too. But again, I, I think this really speaks to 
Oregon State's recruiting ability, Dylan, and then maybe number two. Obviously, you mentioned why he backed off his commitment to Oregon. Don't tell. I said, don't be afraid to tell Beaver fans that. I'm sure they'll enjoy. You know, their little recruiting win of sorts that uh, they right. took a, a four star receiver from their rival. But what and is all, this? And all, or, and go at ahead. The yeah. Day, at the end of the day, when you look on the profile, all you're going to see, you know, two years from now, five years from now, ten years from now, is that decommitted from Oregon, committed to Oregon <laughs> State. So yeah. at the end of the day, that I mean, it, it's kind of like you know, in baseball. Um, if it's a you know a bloop single second base or a line drive, you know, at 110 miles per hour uh, up the middle, uh, no matter how it got there, yeah, you know, exactly. course, it's still a single. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, you know, to that, you know, to that point, obviously, I, I think it just speaks a lot, Dylan, to obviously, it'll be very interesting to see what his recruitment was like as we talk to him a little bit more, but two big takeaways I have from this. All, all I remember recently was there had been Dylan and actually you can as well with me there had been not quite so much this cycle but just recently there had maybe been a little bit of criticism of receivers coach Kofinsley Hinson and who he was bringing in at the receiver room prior to maybe this cycle I think this cycle he really kind of struck at home you know we really like Malachi Durant, really like Eddie Freeoff. expect, you know, at least one, if not both those guys to ultimately end up with the Beavers. But, you know, then you mentioned the fact that Kefense was named interim head coach. He doesn't go with Jonathan Smith to Michigan State as they had, you know, receivers coach that, you know, worked out there and all that. Is that another kind of one of those right place, right time things, Dylan, where, Kevense Hinson had probably been recruiting him all year anyway. And then as soon as he got, you know, the interim job and then ultimately was staying on, like, does Oregon State land Jordan Anderson if Kevense Hinson was, say, taken to Michigan State? No, I think. Right. I don't think so. I don't think so. Right, right, right. I, you know, I think as his position coach, that's probably one of the more, you know, important arguments in this important aspects in this recruitment True. uh the fact that you know he he's been involved in this recruitment for a while you know obviously he committed to Oregon pretty early this earlier this year sure so I don't know what the communication was like between then and the decommitment but they had that previous build relationship for sure and I I you know I absolutely agree that without Hinson I don't know if this happens um and I I think you you also Consider, you know, Gunderson. Uh, I don't think UCLA ever offered him, but, um, you know, Gunderson coming from Los Angeles, uh, I don't think, you know, not that not that far from Newport Beach. So Gunderson had to be, you know, pretty familiar with Anderson as well. And I'm sure Anderson was somewhat familiar with UCLA at the time as well. as, as well. So uh, I, I think Hinson absolutely helps, and I wouldn't be surprised if Gunderson helped this as well. Absolutely. And, you know, you talked I, about, or go ahead. Sorry. You know, you, you, you were asking for a, a player comp and, you know, yeah. it's, it, it's tough. Um, you know, I, I don't know his exact speeds, which, which okay. makes it, it makes this a little tougher, but based off what I've been able to see on film, similar, not exact. So I'm not saying this guy's going to be this guy, <laughs> but he to a degree does remind me watching, uh, to somebody that you know, I have the opportunity to watch every 
uh, every Sunday in uh, Devonte Smith. Mm, kind of that. I like that. that. Yeah, he he does. You can tell he has you know really good speed. He's a great route runner. You know he has consistent, soft but yet strong hands. Sure. You know he, he, you can tell he ha- he has the full skill set as a wide receiver. Right. Very similar to Devonte Smith, who you know may not be the biggest player. Devonte Smith six you know, foot, whatever, 150 pounds on a good right. day. Yeah. Not the biggest guy. No, not exactly. At all. And I, I think that's a semi decent comp for Anderson. I'm not going to say he's going to come in and be a Devonte Smith type talent. He's not going to win the Heisman, but I, I think there's similarities uh, enough to make a similarity comp there. Right. And the last kind of thing I want to mention on Anderson, uh, Dylan, something that I kind of found interesting is that, um, uh, Jordan Anderson obviously ended up, uh, I believe at you said Newport, um, Newport Beach. Harbor. Yeah, yeah, Newport Dude, Beach, Newport Harbor. Yeah, uh, Newport but, Harbor, but, but yeah. Uh, began his collegiate career uh, down at uh, um, Milliken in Long Beach. So kind of ended up going to kind of up his competition, I think, a little yeah. bit. And I know that you know Milliken's had some decent uh, talent guys come through there too. But nevertheless, like I- I'm always curious at a guy who maybe looks to improve his high school competition or just, you know, go to a school that's maybe going to utilize him more, right. Or, or any number of things. So I found that interesting and, you know, he was still able to put up some good stats and um, you know, I I really do think that, you know, your, your comp is on it. And my way to what I would contribute to that is I think he's just electric. I think he's electric with the ball in his hands. And I think in addition to everything you said, I'm curious to see what that speed looks like with these two eyeballs right here. um, Once we decide to, or once we finally get to see him uh, in Corvallis, but yeah, definitely going to be an exciting piece. And I mean, Dylan, I'll ask you this to close it out. Is this about the, like the culmination with McCoy, Gabari Johnson, and now Jordan Anderson, the recruiting class? Is this as good of a situation as you could have asked for if you were a Beaver fan? If I checked in with you, say, you know, a, a week after the conclusion of the regular season? Yeah, I mean, let's be honest. Two two and a half weeks ago, three weeks ago, this this recruiting class was in some dire straits. It was looking yep, things were looking really bad. And uh, you know, I I think through the combination of what we've been saying, they're they're the money ball type right mindset with the class, uh, and then adapt or die, man, adapt or right, die. And what they brought in with the transfer portal. Yeah, I mean, this is a this has been a class the class you know the class we won't be able to tell for a while sure. and and there, there is a chance that the guys they have added don't pan out and, sure. and that happens and all the time and that's a risk they're willing to take at this point um somewhat out of necessity because you gotta you know you gotta you do have to sign a good amount of kids here but I, I think they took enough high potential high production kids that's what we we've been stressing is these are kids with deficiencies yes these are kids that are going to take time yes but they're all high production players they've been able to do it for multiple years at the high school level and then the transfer portal they've got guys who are going to be able to come in make an impact pretty quickly if it's not year one next year as well and then yeah with jordan anderson i think that's the culmination of you know kind of saving it the class isn't going to look good numbers wise or rankings wise but i think you know, we can look back on this class as perhaps one that kind of kept Oregon State afloat. 
maybe in a year or so there's a little bit of a down year because you know you you did lose quite a bit of talent now you you're replacing some of that talent but uh, i think this class overall is going to help oregon state remain successful going forward yeah uh, will they win nine ten games every year i don't know but we'll <laughs> I, I i think it's going to help the program at the very least remain competitive and it's going to allow it to be a be allowed to be used as a building block. But uh, Jordan Anderson, I mean, those are the type of talents that you get. You showcase them when you have them, and you just hope to continue building off that. And uh, if you can, you know, go, hit a home run with Jordan Anderson once he arrives in Corvallis, it's going to lead to more success on the recruiting trail. Absolutely. And again, make sure to stay locked to beaversedge.com as Dylan and I are going to be breaking down everything uh, with Jordan Anderson and obviously Gabari Johnson and everything to come. We also got the Sun Bowl coming up. I know it's crazy to think the Beavers still have a bowl game to play, but yes, we have a bowl game coming up this week, uh, Friday, 11 a.m. The Sun Bowl is going to take place, so make sure to stay locked to beaversedge.com for that. A uh, big shout out to Dylan Callahan Crowley for this edition of the Edge podcast. Make sure to stay locked to beaversedge.com. We'll continue to bring you continuing coverage of Oregon State's offseason.